Ah, goodness. Can we just close our eyes right now? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go to the book of 1 John, chapter 3. 1 John, chapter 3. Amen. And um, I'm going to start at verse number 1. And if you wouldn't mind standing um, just for the word of God. Praise the Lord. So we're going to do one through. um, hmm, Wow. I don't know. We'll just. Lord, yeah, it's so good, Sister Roberts. All right, I'll keep it short. So starting in verse 1, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Wow. That's just two more verses. And whosoever commits sin transgress also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. My goodness. But that verse 3, it says, Every man that has this hope in him purifies himself. And what is that hope? That hope is that he's going to appear. And when he appears, we're going to see him and we're going to be like him. That's the hope of his coming. We have to have the hope of his coming. The hope of his coming. Um, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming very soon. I know we've heard that, and it sounds cliche, but my goodness, he's coming soon. He's coming so soon. I don't know. I, I believe this. There's people that, and I'm not the only one, but I can, and that's, a, I, like, I hate that word, but it's the best I have to describe it. I feel it in my bones. Like, our God is coming. It's the spirit that's he's he's speaking and revealing things. And so I'm I plead with you today to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands right now and pray? God, we need you, Lord. Father, help, help us, Lord, to receive whatever you're saying to us, whatever you're doing in us. God, not to be fearful, Lord, but to be ready, Lord, to watch, to be sober, to pray. God, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. You've come to take away our sin. And so, Lord, we're believing, Lord, that the time is now, the time is right now, Lord, that you're going to fully deliver your people and set free, God, and bring about the fullness of everything that you've promised to do. 
Lord, and we are expecting it. We're, we're believing it, Lord. You're conforming us into your image. Lord, and I pray that you would anoint us, Lord, that you would stir up, Lord, that hope in each and every one of us, Lord, that we're going to see you soon. God, we're going to see your face, Lord. And so there is an excitement in the body. There's an excitement in us, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be diligent, oh God, to be found faithful when you come, Lord, that we would do and be who you've called us to be. I thank you for this short time together, Lord. Now accomplish everything that you want to do here, Lord. Whatever that is, whatever it looks like, Lord, you know what we need. You know where we are, and we're trusting in you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us together have your way in and through us even now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We believe it. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just lift our voices up together to him. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. Please just as you're seated, please be, just be in prayer for for what God wants to say and that it'll help me really speak as as I need to speak and just get out of the way because I feel that this message is just, uh, I don't know. I can't describe it. Let's help me. And so throughout the scriptures, let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, in the word of God, there is so much in the word of God about what we call the second coming of Jesus. The word is filled with it. It's, it's, um, and it's amazing. There's more that talks about his second coming than talks about his first coming. There's more scripture prophesying his second coming then there is scripture prophesying his first coming. And you and I know his first coming was amazing. He, he, Isaiah said he, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. And he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And he opened not his mouth. And they pierced him. And he was crucified he was a suffering servant and behold a, a son is given and the government is upon his shoulders and his name is wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace that was his first coming and that was glorious and it changed the world it transformed everything the cross of jesus christ was the most powerful event that has ever happened in the history of the universe but here's the thing, his second coming is more prophesied than even that first coming. And so his second coming is something that God is saying you've got to be ready for. Because the first coming, a lot of people weren't ready for. Nobody was ready for. Nobody expected it. Nobody knew it. Even though God outlined literally down to the day when he would be coming. Behold, your, 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 your God is coming to you lowly, riding on, the, on a donkey in the fall of a donkey. And so he prophesied that it was from the time of the giving, the, the giving of the command to rebuild Jerusalem in the city and the wall. That, that from that time that there would be 486 years that then the Messiah was going to be cut off. And so if you calculate it out, you'll see that God had prophesied the very day that Jesus was going to come into Jerusalem. But nobody saw it. It was it a was small thing, not a big deal, but that's okay because it wasn't so much that people had to be ready when he came the first time because what he was doing the first time was he, in fact, was taking care of our sins. He, in fact, was doing a work that we couldn't do. He was, he was uh, uh, fulfilling the law and he was defeating the enemy and he was bringing down death and sickness and demons and all that stuff. And so it was a work that only Jesus could do. That only the blood of the lamb could accomplish. And that's what he did with his first coming. But his second coming, there is absolutely a command from the Lord that says you need to be ready for the second coming. You need to be aware. You need to be on point when he comes a second time. Because you can't miss this. You can't wait till after the fact. You can't be caught unawares because you will, you will lose out if you're not ready for his second coming. 
And so God gives signs. He he gave dreams. He gave visions. He gave prophetic uh, signs to show so that the world would know when he's coming a second time. He outlines it throughout the word of God, throughout the scriptures. He talks about that uh, he's going to come with the clouds. He describes how he's going to come. He says every eye is going to see him. Sister Roberts, you read the scripture today in the book of Revelation, chapter number one, where it talks about, it says, behold, he cometh with the clouds. Eyes are going to see him. And it says, and the nations are going to mourn. They're going to mourn. We think of the coming of Jesus Christ as, man, this is going to be great. But the Bible describes it as a day of mourning. Uh, The Bible says the day of the Lord is a day of darkness and gloom. He describes it, it talks about in the scripture where he says, why are you looking for the, why are you wanting the day of the Lord? Don't you know what that means? The day of the Lord is not, hey, he's here. So now let's, let's get our act together. The day of the Lord is he's here and it's over. The day of the Lord is time is run out. The day of the Lord is there's no more grace. The day of the Lord is that spirit that you so readily feel whenever you lift your hands in spite of what you've done. That thing is taken away. That thing is brought back to God. The day of the Lord is all this grace and truth that has come through Jesus Christ. When he comes a second time, he's coming to judge. That's the day of the Lord. That's the second coming. And and, and so the enemy has tried to take the preaching and the talking about and the being ready for the second coming and make it, and because people have twisted it, they've, they've tried to predict times, and they said he was coming in 1984, and there's other ones that say this. And, and so what has happened is the people of God have gotten weary with hearing, oh, he's coming again. We've heard that before, and we've, we've heard prophecies, and we've heard uh, predictions about when he's coming, and so it really doesn't move us like it should, but we've got to be very careful that you don't throw out the truth of God's word with the falseness of people that have twisted it and gotten it wrong. It's still true. He's coming, and you need to be aware, and you need to be ready and it needs to move you, and it needs to do something in our hearts. And so you and I live in a time period where we face that. We face, there's a thousand voices that are talking about all sorts of stuff, and it can, it can water down the effectiveness of God's word. And so it's just, I've heard it. It's just common manna. We've seen that before. But it's the very word of God. It's 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 truth. It's it's the thing that's going to be here through it all. Daniel chapter seven. I think I told you all to turn there. Daniel chapter seven. We won't go through the whole thing, but the first eight verses. Daniel sees this vision and he sees these four beasts. They come up out of the sea and they're different. There's a lion, one like a bear, one like a leopard. And then he sees this fourth beast, verse 7, and he's dreadful, terrible, strong, exceeding, iron teeth, break the pieces, stamp the residue, and he was different than all the other beasts. And he sees these beasts, but then verse 9, he says, and I was looking at that, I beheld. Verse 9, can you put that up there, Daniel 7, verse 9, he says, I beheld. I was looking, I was, I was, I was, I was focused on those beasts until the thrones were cast down. The ancients of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire, and a fiery stream issued, came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Judgment was set, and the books were open. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain, and his body destroyed, and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season season in time. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So Daniel starts off, he sees this vision for great beast and they're different from each other and then the fourth beast is different than all of them and he's terrible and it's 
and it's troubling and it's just so and it says and he's he's focused and he's looking at this fourth beast and and then he says and then it shifts and he sees the ancient of days come and he sees the son of man come and thrones are set up and 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 ultimately the son of man sets up a kingdom that never passes away and listen to this verse 15 it says and i daniel was grieved in my spirit missing my body and the visions of my head troubled me i came near unto one of them that stood by asked him the truth of all this so he told me made me to know the interpretation of the things and so the angel says these great beasts are four four kings which shall arise out of the earth verse 18 the angel says but the saints of the most high shall take the kingdom possess the kingdom forever even forever and ever praise god so do you see heaven's vision heaven's view is yeah there's four beasts but the saints of god are going to have dominion the saints of god are going to win the son of man is going to come back and he's going to overthrow it all yeah, there's going to be this wicked thing that's going to rise up, but there's going to be an everlasting kingdom that the people of God are a part of, and it's never going to pass away. There's nothing that can defeat it. That's what the angel says to Daniel. But now look down to verse number 19. Then I would know the truth of the fourth, fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, of nails, brass, devour, blah, 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 blah. Verse 20, and then of the ten horns that were in the head. Verse 21, and I beheld the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. And so just pause right there. I'm sorry, the Lord just showed me this. And he said, yes, the four beasts are true. And the fourth is dreadful and bad and all of that stuff. But the point of the word was that the saints are a part of a kingdom that will never go away. The purpose of heaven speaking was that the saints would recognize who you are and what you're a part of. So that no matter what came, no matter what these beasts happened to be, no matter what came against you, you would recognize that there is a but, verse 8, there is in verse 18, that the saints of the Most High will take the kingdom and possess it forever and ever. That you wouldn't get focused on the other stuff, but you would be focused on the fact that the kingdom is coming that we're a part of and we're going to reign forever and ever. And so the Lord's kind of dealt with me about this. He says, but flesh would say, okay, yeah, I know all that, but what's going on with the fourth beast? I've heard all that Jesus is coming. Yeah, but what about what's happening in our world right now? So church, we've got to be very careful. The enemy wants us to behold and focus on the fourth beast, which I believe is alive and well right now. I believe is operating right now. I believe it. I believe that's the time period we're in. We're seeing it. And I'm not even going to get into all that stuff because that's not the point of why he talked about the fourth beast. He says the point of it is so that you don't look at the fourth beast, but that you look at the kingdom that's coming. Because if you're looking at what's going on, you're going to get moved. You're going to get shaken. You're going to get fearful. You're going to get worried, concerned. Your, your heart's going to grow cold because iniquity is abounding. You're going to start hating one another. You're going to start betraying one another. You're going to start looking at eyes of deception and I don't trust you and I don't believe you and I can't trust nobody and coldness and hardness is going to come on your heart because you're living in the midst of the fourth beast, which is dreadful. If your eyes are not on the kingdom that's coming. And so there's a kingdom that's coming that we need to focus on. There's the Bible says this, it says the son of man is coming with the clouds of heaven and has given him dominion, glory and a kingdom and all people, nations, languages should serve him. Whew. Verse number 25, just want to point this out, talking about this horn. And he says, he shall speak great words against the most high shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times 
and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it until the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Praise God. What a promise from God. See, but here's the thing. We, we, this is here because the Bible is filled with words that say, fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid. So he's not telling us these things for us to become fearful. So if you are reading the word of God and you're looking at things and you're finding things out and it's causing fear, that is not from God. You're looking at it the wrong way. Okay? Fear is of the enemy. Um, either you're, look, you're beholding or focusing on something that the word or God does not want you to focus on, or you just haven't finished reading the book. Because <laughs> if you stop halfway through, sure. But the Bible says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And so endurance is a part of the prescription for your victory. Endurance. You have to make it to the end. Because look at what the devil, look at what it says that he's looking to do. He's looking to wear out the saints. His idea is that he can outlast you. He wants to just wear you out. Did you know that the devil is patient? He's more patient than any of us in our flesh. He's been around since the garden. And he's been working his plan to corrupt and defile humanity. He'll start a work. He'll plant seeds in childhood. And he'll wait until adulthood and bring up a memory That'll trigger something that you didn't even know was there. And you're like, where did this come from? Because he's slick. He's sly. He's deceptive. And he, he wants to wear you out. And so he's okay with you having a good moment. Okay, that's all right. But let's see if you're going to stay with this thing. Because I'm going to talk to you tomorrow. And then I'm a, the devil, he says, I'm going to talk to you the next day. And the next day. And we'll see, are you still going to be in it Thursday? And at nighttime when it's uncomfortable, when nobody's around, and make, probably then you'll let go. And so he's looking to wear out the saints. And so the Bible says we cannot be ignorant of his devices. So please don't be looking for just a power moment. Enough in a moment that'll take me the rest. No, you're going to have to fight every moment and determine I am going to serve the Lord Every single day. It doesn't matter how great the service is today. When I wake up tomorrow, God willing, I'm going to have to make up in my mind all over again, Jesus, you are Lord. You're going to have to lift up your hands all over again. You're going to have to get on your knees and call on him again. You can't get enough today that you won't have to serve him tomorrow. And so there is a false idea that we can build it up so much that you can just coast. That is a lie from the devil. You cannot coast in this thing. But if you'll allow the grace of God to empower you every day, he will. Give us this day our daily bread. This is why he told the children of Israel, don't try and get enough manna that's going to last you all the way until tomorrow. Because by tomorrow, it'll be rotten. It'll stink. It'll have worms in it. It'll be defiled. You need to wake up tomorrow and seek me all over again. And trust me for your today. Trust me for your right now. This is why Paul says, I've got to forget those things that are past. I've got to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Your only moment you can serve God is now. That's all you have is now. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow's not promised to you. You only have now. And if you'll just keep giving him your nows, you'll endure to the end. 
That's what, hap- that's what needs to happen at an altar is you lay your life down. And laying your life down is not, God, I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you this, this, this time right here. No, it's literally saying, I'm giving you my life. My life is yours now. I'm no longer my own. My decisions moving forward are yours. So you can have a lot of tears at an altar and, and get up. And the enemy be waiting for you because he realizes you're still holding on to your life. He's like, oh, great. Great. I'll meet you tomorrow. And we'll have a good time. And you'll be caught up right back in those same sins and bondage and things you thought. You're like, God, I thought what happened? I prayed yesterday and it was so powerful. And we had a move of God and all that stuff. And God's like, yeah, we did. But what's today? Today, you need, a, you need fresh manna today. Mm. So he looks to wear out the saints. And so there has to be a determination in us that says no matter what, I'm going to endure to the end. Because you are not victorious until you endure to the end. So I was going to say we don't believe in it. But that doesn't matter what we believe in. The Bible does not teach once saved, always saved. Just not in the scriptures. Jesus says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. He talks about those that have tasted of the heavenly gift, right? Been partakers of the world to come. All that stuff. If they should fall away, you can't renew them again to repentance. Hebrews 6, 4. And so um, there is a possibility that you could walk away. Because if you take a moment and you give it to the Lord, praise God. He honors that and he takes your future and you're on the right path. And praise God, he counts you as righteous. But if you take that another moment and you say, I don't want you anymore. I'm done. I'm walking away, right? He doesn't force you to stay on a path you don't want to stay on. He doesn't force you to stay on a narrow road if you want to get off. You can get off the narrow road. You can turn around and get off, get off the train that's going to glory. You can walk away. You can give up Jesus. You could count his blood as nothing. You could say, I'd rather have the world than have Jesus. You could say, I'd rather have the pleasures of right now than the glory that's to come. You can choose that. You absolutely could. He won't force you. I thank God, though, that by his grace, he's going to make that decision real hard for you. He loves you so much that he will never leave you alone. You're going to have to act like you're okay because there is a God that will be constantly pugging at you, pulling at you. Once you've been exposed to the word of God, you're never the same. You're never the same. You're accountable. You're accountable for some stuff. And so praise God. So he looks to wear out the saints, but we have to be able to look beyond our momentary um, situation and see the end because it's in the end where we have victory. So do you see this in verse 25 of Daniel chapter seven? He's speaking great words. He's going to wear out the saints and look at this. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and dividing of time. And that's comes out to three and a half year, three and a half years. Time is a year and times is two years and dividing of time is half a year. So that's three and a half years. Um, that's the most prophesied portion of time period in the entire scriptures. The last three and a half years up until the second coming of Jesus. There's more talked about that. 42 months, I think 1,280 days, 60 days, something like that. But it's, you'll see it all throughout, three and a half years, three and a half years in the middle of the week. And, um, but it says that the saints are given into his hand. Who gave, who gave the saints into his hand? What do you say? Somebody pointed up here? Yep. The only one who has authority to give, right? So, church, we need to understand This is God ordained, but it's not, 
But here, here's, here's the thing, because people say, well, how could, how could a good God give us into the hands and under the authority and the power of the Antichrist and this wicked individual? Because we are eternal. And he only gives him authority over us for a short period of time, for three and a half years. Now, if you are living a life that's just based on here and now, well, then he's been given authority to defeat you. But if you recognize our kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, I'm not just worried about right here, right now. My victory is coming at the end of this. See, this is why you and I, we have to be looking for his coming. We have to focus on the end. We have to have the hope that at the end of this, he's going to make it all right. Because we will, we will think that God has forsaken us because of what's happening now. The enemy wants us to focus on now and what God is doing and what I'm seeing or not seeing and, and judge God by that. And God's saying, stop that. There's some stuff I've prescribed for you to go through for a certain amount of time. There's some things that are going to happen during your life that you're not going to like, but that's just the way it is And because I'm working a greater and a bigger plan. Don't worry about all that, but if you'll understand that when I come, when I finally arrive back, you are going to be a part of a kingdom that will never go away. You will have a dominion that will never come down. You'll have an authority and a power that nothing can stop. And so you just need to hold on until that day. You need to press. You need to endure until that day. Don't quit in the middle of it. Don't start judging yourself right now. Don't start judging God right now. You need to understand he is an eternal God and Jesus is coming again. And that's when we're going to have victory. Complete victory. But there's some stuff that's going to happen here and now. That is ordained and prophesied by God. Jesus says, in this life, you shall have tribulation. It is a promise of God. Boom, boom, boom. i got to claim the promises of God. Yeah, claim that. I don't see anybody writing that on their mirror every morning. In Jesus' name, tribulation, I receive it. I think we need to, though. Because we're, we're, we're feeding ourselves a bill of goods that's setting us up for deception. It's setting us up for failure. It's setting us up to be disheartened and discouraged and to turn away and to grow cold because we're expecting something now that God says you need to wait, you need to endure for. Please, so by no means am I not saying that God's not going to work miracles and do great things, but we are not going to see ultimate victory until Jesus comes. Because if we see it before he comes, then why should he come? Too many of us are not looking for his coming because we've got everything I want right here and right now. I'm feeling comfortable. And that, that's not the way your Savior wants. you got a jealous God that wants you to want him. He wants you to be looking for him. I, I, I'm so I say this, it's just it's a bad example, I don't know. But uh, it... It stirs my little heart when I come home, whenever that is, and a uh, little baby, um, she sees me and just smiles, and they, you put her down, and she comes walking over, pick her up, and she just hugs on me, and then she, like, pats my back. <laughs> and um, for any of you parents or whatever that have experienced that, there's nothing just quite like that to know, just to feel the love that... They're just happy to see you. Come on, where did that come from? That's our God. He wants us to anticipate him coming home. Like, like just waiting, like, okay. Lord, when are you coming? I'm, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait till you get here. You know, I, I, like, that's not to say I just hate my life and, and just don't enjoy things. That's good and praise God for that. I thank God for it, but I'm, I'm waiting for him. I can't wait to see him because there's some stuff that I know he's going to take care of that will only take care of when he gets here. 
There's some things in my flesh. I'm, I, there's some things in my body that I know it's, it's when, he, when I see him, he's going he's gonna to transform my body. He's going to remove the, the weight and the burden that I've lived with of not being fully able to be everything that I know my spirit wants to be. in. But I know when he comes, he's going to relieve me of it. He's going to deliver me of that stuff, and I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be free from this body of sin, free from this body of death, free from the emotions and, and, the, and the lies and the deception, free from having to fight in, the, fight in the spirit and constantly take down my own thoughts and imaginations and bring them captive and telling myself, no, I'm going to be free from the temptations of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I'm going to be free from that. I'm going to be free from hatred and backbiting and envying and memories of wickedness and having to deal with it. I'm going to be free. Ah, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day when I'll really just be completely pure. I won't, this thing, this body, I won't have to wake up and have to fight through the flesh anymore. I'll just be free and walking in the spirit and, and filled with the love of God and the peace of God continually. I won't have to cry and weep and sorrow over loss. There'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying. The former things will be passed away. I'm going to be new in him. He's going to be my God and I'm going to be his son. And I'm going to see him and I'm going to be transformed into his image. Hallelujah. Mm. And so if we're not desiring that, if we're not looking for that, if we're looking for something else, we're going to miss out in this hour. If you're looking for things to work out in the flesh, you're going to miss out. You're, you're, you're going to miss God. You're going to miss God because he has not promised that. He says this. He, what he has promised is all things work together for good to them that love God and to those that are called according to God. Right? So he's promised that all things work together for good. Now, your version of good and God's version of good are two completely different things. If you don't know that, you need to understand that. Because we can think good and immediately our mind goes to just flesh. It goes to material. It goes to physical comfort. It goes to ease. It goes to vacations. It goes to toes in the sand, on the beach, in the water, and just, you know, all the money I need and bills paid and Everybody likes me and everything's happy and hunky-dory. That's our version of good. God's version of good is in the following verse. For whom he did foreknow, did he also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. It's Romans 8, 29. His good is that you be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all working for. Do you understand that? So if you want to pray the will of God, pray that the situation would be used to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. Don't pray to just get out of it. Don't pray for him just to fix it. He's a good God. He's loving. And you know, you have kids, you have babies, and your babies at a certain age, you just do whatever to stop them from crying. Right? Because you're just whatever. And then as they start getting older, you start trying to mature them to be able to handle some things. And so you move beyond just trying to meet their needs to truly trying to uh, conform their mindset to be good. And so you start saying things like, no, which we're close with her, but my wife is a little bit further off than I am. But you start saying things like no to a baby, right, to a toddler. Where you didn't say, when they're newborn, you don't say no to a newborn baby. If you do, you need to repent. <laughs> but you don't say no. You just, you just give them what they need. They cry, okay, whatever. What do they need? You know, you're scrambling. What can we do? But as they get older and the crying and the stuff, you start saying no becomes really, I'm sorry, I'm giving a lot of baby references because 
This is my life. But anyway, you start saying no, right? You start saying it quite a bit. No, 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 because it's not good for you. And I'm trying to grow you and mature you, not just give you everything you want. See, and so you need to, we've got to grow up in God. And so if we're just at the place where we expect him to just do everything for us and never say no to me and never have to challenge me, well, okay, he's loving, he's good, but that's baby in Christ. I want to grow up into his image. I want to grow up into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ where I can be like him because that's what this is all about. That's what he's working things. He'll bring things into my life just to allow me to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Amen. You should wake up every morning, look in the mirror and say, man, I look a little bit more like Jesus. Not physically, but spiritually. Praise God. Because I don't know what he looked like. And he did that on purpose. His image is love. And so we've got to recognize what this is about. <clears throat> and so he's coming. He's coming. I think I've been a long time. I'm looking at the clock and it's, wow. It just moves real quick. Um, so can I just read a few more verses of scripture? And then um, let's go to um, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> and uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Amen. I hear some yawns. I understand. I was yawning earlier. It's, I'm tired. Life is tiring but we've got to endure. Verse 1, it says, If you then, being been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, <clears throat> where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Huh. Now look how far he goes with this. Verse 4, When Christ who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. So he's saying, your life is supposed to be hidden in Christ, in Jesus, in him. So you really are not, you're not alive. And Bear with me. So your life is hidden in Christ, right? It's hidden with in Christ, in Jesus, it's all about him. And you, have, you are dead to yourself, right? And so, well, how long, how long does that last until he appears? Because that's where your life is. That's, that's where you are. That's where the real you, and, and it says when he appears, your life is also going to appear, right? So, you, we have to have a mindset and, a, and an understanding that when you were baptized into Jesus Christ, you died. You died. Your life was buried into Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says this in Galatians, it talks about, it says, now it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So this life, the decision, it's not, it's no longer me. This is, this is Jesus. When you were baptized in Jesus' name, you were baptized in his stead. There was an exchange. He took your place and you took his place. This is why the Bible says that you now, we now sit together with him in heavenly places. So you, you're in a heavenly place. But Jesus is now on the earth living his life through your physical body. That's what this is, what's happening right now is Jesus is supposed to be living through you. This is why the scripture says we are the body of Christ. And he's the head. So when we understand that, it changes how we view things. I've said this before. I can't stand it because it's so unloving and it's ungodly when people say, well, I don't have to do that to be saved. You've missed it. You've missed it. The question is, is Jesus doing it through you? 
Is that what he wants to do through you? It's not about, well, will this get me a ticket to heaven someday? No, he is, he is living his life through you now. You exchanged your life. You laid it down and said, Jesus, now this body is yours. Whatever you want to do. He had 33 years on the earth, but he said, it's expedient that I go away because I'm going to send my spirit back and my spirit is going to abide forever. So the life of Jesus did not end back in 30 AD. It got multiplied into the believers. The ministry of Jesus Christ did not end 2000 years ago. It has been multiplied in the church. He's still walking the earth right now through you and I. Mm. I'm hoping this is making sense. That is, and we say, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, you know, I've, I've heard people say this, well, I'm not Jesus. You're supposed to be. Have you read the Bible? Does it say, uh, Romans 6, 3, don't know you not as many as been baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. You put him on. You took the responsibility to say, okay, now I am a representation of Jesus Christ. Now we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. Be reconciled to God. God is now in us manifesting the life of Jesus Christ through us. Well, who is, who is sufficient for these things? We're not, but it's what he chose to do. We're not worthy of this. I'm, I'm not good enough. And somebody said, well, you're trying to say you're like Jesus? I'm trying to be. That's my goal. It should be yours too. We're pressing into him. We're pressing into his image. I want more of him. I want more of him to show and shine forth through me, through my life, through my decisions, more of Jesus. And the hope is, that eventually he's going to come back and bring a unity, bring a, reconcil a reconciling, bringing my life into agreement with his. Because my life is hidden in him right now. I'm denying myself. That's, that's our battle, right, church? We, we're just denying ourselves, left and right. Denying yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself. If any man should come after me, let him deny himself. That's the first step. Deny yourself, deny yourself. Deny yourself. But eventually myself, which is in the heavenly place with Jesus, is coming back. And that's when my life is going to appear. That's what we're searching for. That's what we're longing for. Praise God. Praise God. I've probably been too long. I can tell. We're still in these physical bodies. We have limitations. <laughs> I understand it. Praise God. Um, did I even read the scripture? I did. Yes. Praise God. Sorry. Um, could I go to uh, one more, two more? Maybe our musicians can come. When they start coming, by the time they get here and get set up, we're going to. Matthew um, chapter 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16. Uh, starting at verse 24. <clears throat> says, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is it man profited if he shall gain the whole world, lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. It's interesting. I never saw it before the Lord showed it to me. He says, do you see how that's grouped together? The denying of self and the coming of the Lord. Because the Bible tells me that every man that has the hope of his coming purifies himself. So there is a direct correlation between you waiting and desiring the coming of Jesus Christ to you walking in purity now. There is a direct correlation to you walking in holiness now to how much you're recognizing that your life is in Jesus Christ and he's going to come back eventually for me. 
And so this is why the Bible is full of that. It's full of he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. Acts chapter 1, really quickly, Acts chapter 1, the beginning of the church. I never saw it before. Well, I've, I've seen it before. But it was like just, okay. I thought it was just kind of extra information, which God never does. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse number 10. Um, verse number 9, it says, and when he had spoken these things, because I usually eat into verse 8, because 8 is about power. Praise God. We love it, and we shout, and then we kind of move on to chapter 2. But in verse 9, it says, And when he had spoken these things, they, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And it's like, I, I've never paid much attention to that. But it's interesting that that was the basis because it says in the next verse, then they return to Jerusalem. So the angel releases this word and says, he's coming back. Don't just stand up here gazing. He's coming back. And it ignited something in them to start obeying what he had said. Because he had already told them, wait for the promise of my father. Don't depart from Jerusalem. And they were just standing, doing nothing, idle, worshiping. Probably worshiping him. Like, you're great. You're awesome. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Ha, huh, look, he, he's up in heaven. Jesus, you did it. But it was the, the word that says he's coming back. That it triggered them to say, wait a second, we've got work to do. We've got to obey the word of Jesus. And they left immediately and went to Jerusalem and start praying. They had a prayer meeting for 10 days. The Holy Ghost falls. Miracles start happening. And the world is turned upside down. Because they understood he's coming back again. He's coming back again. It, it, it triggers something in us. It awakens something in humanity. Because otherwise, we stand gazing idly. We know he's Lord. We know he's good. We know it's right. But we do nothing with it. We, we don't purify ourselves. We're not diligent about our walk with God. Because I'm not focused on him coming back. And so his goodness and all of that stuff... Bear with me as I say it. It's not enough. You need to know he's coming back again. That's got to resonate in your spirit. Because there's going to be days when you don't feel it. There's going to be days when you're not stirred up in praise and worship unto the Lord. And it's going to have to be that motivation and that undergirding that says he's coming back though. He's coming again. This Jesus is coming back and I've got to be ready. I've got to make myself ready. Ah, praise God. So God's got to do it. God's got to do it. God's got to give us, God's got to put that in our hearts. It was literally an angel, two angels right here that gave it to the initial church. I'm believing God, send angels, send the word, stir our hearts by the Holy Ghost, whatever you have to do to awaken this in me. Because, God, I confess, I live in a world and in a Christian culture that has poo-pooed, that has diminished the second coming of Jesus Christ. God, and you've got to awaken it in me. You've got to stir it in me. It needs to consume my mind, consume my eyes, my heart. Because there's certain arguments I don't get into because he's coming. There's stuff I let go. He's coming. I can't fuss and fight with my brothers and sisters because dad is coming home soon. We got to get things in order for dad. He's about to show up. I don't have time to nitpick over you. Dad's coming. There's a unity that comes because he's coming. I need it. We need it. We need it. We need it. We need it. Certain issues. Praise God. My goodness. There's so much more. I'm sorry. The Lord gave me like so much today. But why don't we stand? It's, it's in the synoptic gospels, gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 24, uh, Mark 13, I believe it's Luke, oh Lord, Luke 19. I think it's 19, maybe it's 23, sorry. But it all talks about, they ask Jesus the question, what will be the sign of your coming? Like, what is, what's going to be the sign of the end and the sign of your coming? And... It's pretty interesting. Like, I would, I would suggest you do this. Just look in your Bible, like, like so Matthew 24. 
They asked him that one question, what's the sign of your coming? And Jesus went on for two chapters. And chapter 24 is 51 verses. And chapter 25 is 46 verses. 97 mathematicians. Jesus went on for 97 verses to talk about his second coming from one question from the disciples. What's going to be the sign of your coming? There's other times they said, listen, explain to us the parable. Jesus talked to him. Three verses, four verses. They asked one question, Jesus, what's going to be the sign of your coming? And he lays it all out. He starts talking to them for two chapters. He says, this is going to happen, this, 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 wars, rumors of wars, earthquake. But this is just the beginning. There's going to be Christ, false prophets, false Christ. Don't be deceived. The abomination of desolation. After the tribulation of those days, the angels are going to come. They're going to gather the elect from the four ends of the, of the, of the earth. And then he goes and, he's, and then he starts giving parables to just reaffirm what he says. He says, learn the parable of the fig tree. When you see its leaves, you know that summer's nigh. He says, the same for you. When you see all these things, know that the coming of the Son of Man is at the door. It's right there. Then he gives another parable. He says, of the wise and the foolish virgins. You guys heard of that before? Right? Five were, five were wise, five were foolish. Didn't take their oil with them. And, and he says, don't be like the foolish virgins. They didn't take enough oil in their lamp. They weren't ready. When the Son of Man came... They, 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 they wanted to go and say, hey, can we buy some oil from you? But it was too late. It was too late. And then he tells another parable of the stewards. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man going away to a far country. And he gives uh, stuff to his, to his servants. And he says, occupy till I come. And they, one you know, gives five. One gives, I think, I always get these mixed up. Maybe two. And the other one gives one. And the one who's five, he multiplies it. And the one who's two, he multiplies it. And the one who's one, he buries it in the ground. And he comes back and he says, okay, what did you do? And he tells the one who with the one, he says, you are a wicked and slothful servant. You knew I was coming back and you knew I expected to receive more than what I gave you. Like throw him in the outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. This is Jesus. And, and this is off of one question. What's the sign of your coming? And Jesus starts laying it out parables and signs and seasons and look look in the heavens and you're going to know and I'm coming like a thief in the night but that day is not supposed to overtake you like a thief if 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 you knew what hour the thief was coming you would have kept watch and he says but I say unto you watch be ready be alert don't let that day overtake you church you and I are living in that day we're living in that hour, the signs of the seasons that everything Jesus has said, it's happening right now. We can have a discussion about it later. I can show you in the scriptures through news, through what's going on, that everything that Jesus said would be happening is happening now. You and I are that generation upon whom the ends of the earth has come. But at the same time, you and I are living in the most deceptive generation spiritually that has ever existed. And so while all this is going on, it's amazing how it's not so stirred up in us. And I I'm sorry, bear with me. I'm sorry. I know I have you standing. I remember this. I remember years ago. Uh, just I, I was in the Bible and stuff like that and I would read stuff about Revelation and I'm like how in the world could all that be going on like really and and people don't turn to God like if it's that obvious there's stuff falling there's signs in the sky and there's angels and there's all like okay there's no way people aren't gonna like flood to the churches and give their life to Jesus like it's just gonna be too obvious then and here we are here we are. And some people would say, well, it's not that obvious. That's because it's a deception. It is obvious. It is. It's so, my God, it's so, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, literally to the point that people who aren't even believers feel it. People who aren't even Christians, they feel it. They know something is happening. Something's going on with our time. Something's going on with our world. 
this can't continue all there's just this everybody is feeling it because Jesus is coming soon young person I want to speak to the young people please don't worry about if you get married what you have in Jesus is so much better he's coming soon the hour is short the hour is short if you would get a hold of him my God my God he's coming soon he's coming soon there's some people you've been playing around with repenting and really giving your life to Jesus and I'm not here to scare you I'm not here to scare you but time is running out it really is and I don't say that haphazardly I don't say that with any type of glee but it's it's it, I've told my wife this I, there's like these butterflies in my stomach because it's like so imminent it's so imminent our dear sister Gorith went to the hospital for children just went with little chest pain talked to the doctors after it was called up there the morning she passed and the doctors were saying we have no idea what happened we were shocked just all of a sudden they came in and she was gone so I don't in any way use her life or her passing lightly but if any of us believe that like you're better than that you're beyond that ever happening to you you're deceived and so it could be any moment and God would be just because he's given us enough so you might feel like man you're taking a long time Pastor D's like just really hammering home you I'm sorry if you could understand how much urgency is in my heart right now and and maybe this will be the last time I actually make it this long with you all because I feel like nobody has a nobody has a right to hear it twice till everybody's heard it once. So this word has been given to us. I'm not talking about my preaching. I'm talking about the word of God, Jesus and what he's done. It's so wonderful. We know it. And at some point you got to stop just gazing at it. Stop just looking around, standing idly by. I pray you don't come to church to just gaze, look at people, judge other people and look at what they're doing, watch the show and then go home. At some point, you got to realize the angel's going to come and speak to you and say, hey, this Jesus is coming back. And it's going to move you to prayer. It's going to move you to seek God. It's going to move you to humble yourself and say, God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with Jesus Christ. I want to be, I want to repent. I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you have not been baptized in Jesus' name and taken his place, we'll baptize you today. God will fill you today with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I don't even know how to end this, but I feel like we just need to come to the altar and pray. Could we do that? Could we just, would that be okay? <laughs> Go to the altar and just talk to Jesus. I need a revelation. I need a revelation of his coming. I need a revelation of God. Time is time is ending soon. God, we feel it in our bones. Lord, let me not hold on to the things of the past. Those, those old things, God, they don't they don't work in today's time. They don't. God, I just can't carry the baggage and the weights of yesteryear into this now time, Lord. I, I need to shed off the sins that are besetting me, Lord. I've got to let go of those weights church there's some stuff that God has allowed you to carry for a while but in this hour he's saying it's time for you to drop it it's time for you to let it go 
There's some attitudes. There's some unforgiveness that you've held on to. And God is saying, okay, now is time. I've, I've let you, I've dealt with you long enough. Now you've got to lay that thing down. You've got to come on. You've got to mature. I need you to be strong. Not because he wants to punish you, but because of what's coming. He's given a certain amount of time where the enemy will have authority to do things in our life. And he needs us to be strong in this hour. Please, I'm begging you. I literally am begging you. Please pray. Please, please, I'm begging you today. Please come to the altar. Pray where you're at. You ain't got to step down here, but please seek the Lord today. Ask him to move upon you and save your soul. I plead with you today, cry out for God to save you.